Welcome back to another edition of the Bow Rush Podcast. I am your host, Travis Stowe, and you're listening to episode 14014. Unfortunately, we do not have Scott on today, but we do have a guest, and we brought him on before, but his name is Anthony Dixon. And today we're going to go over some really cool things, which is for people that have been in the industry or been bow hunting for years, or people are just trying to get started and they want to know some of the topics that people talk about but just don't know the terms don't know how to engage in the conversation because it's over their head and we're going to dive into that today anthony are you on i am how's it going travis i'm doing pretty well it's uh it's now just become turkey season in georgia and there's a lot of people out uh right now it's raining so i don't know how good it is for some people but it's exciting knowing that people are getting out uh, trying to find those turkeys and get them on the ground. Sure. Yeah, they're they're going to start doing that here in Salt Lake City pretty quick. That's where I'm located. And um, I would like to think that I'm going to get out for a little turkey hunting. But, uh, you know, I've got kids, and that means uh, switching sports and soccer starting. So I'm going to do my best to get out. But I, I can't guarantee anything right now, that's for sure. My goal is the same. I was hoping to get out the opening day, but uh, it just didn't work out. I have too many responsibilities right now, and yeah, having a kid, that uh, adds to it. Yep, for sure, for sure. Well, how do you want to start today? I kind of like to go into the idea of a new person wanting to be, or at least try out a bow, and a compound bow. They've hearing people talk about it. They've seen people talk about it on the show. They might watch YouTube videos and they say all these different terms and they just don't know what they mean. And so when you go to a, a bow shop, they just start setting up a bow. How would you know what to ask for, what to think about? And when they start throwing these terms, if you have no idea what they're saying, you really can't help them get you the right bow because you don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, 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 you're absolutely correct. And, and I think when you walk into a bow shop and, and the salesman is talking to you about bows and starts to use these terms and you're not sure what these terms mean, he'll get an idea or should have an idea and ask the, the uh, new archer, you know, is this your first bow, second bow, third bow? How much do you hunt? You should be able to look at the individual's body type and say, well, you know, he's probably going to you know, needs a bow set up at like 64 pounds. Um, that's the tension on the limbs, and that can be varied uh, depending on the construction of the limbs. But the salesman really needs to be able to look at the individual and ask him the correct questions of where he is at in the sport. And if he's a newbie, uh, I would say that learning those, those points um, is critical. Not that you need to use them to think that you are better than you are because the salesman, whoever he or she is, would be able to see through that. But to understand uh, those terms, and some of them, there's a lot of slang, as you know. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's your first one? What do you, where, do you want to, where do you want to start on that? Well, um, mine would have been when I first walked in, uh, they asked me before they knew what my uh, experience was, they said what my draw link was. I had no idea. I didn't know what draw link meant. Okay. Well, I, I usually on a body type, and if, if you sold bows at all, which, you know, some of your listeners probably have, and some of them haven't, and you can do mathematical equations of breaking down draw length. Now, the draw length is when you're at full draw, you will 
draw the bow back, that means you're going to either have a release on, which is a mechanism that clips onto uh, the string of the bow, and you pull the bow back to full draw. And when you're doing that, um, there's a, a, a certain length that that particular person in the bow shop is looking for, and, and it would be called an anchor point. And anchor points are critical because it is a point where the hand reaches behind the jaw um, that allows you to come to the same point. So what I mean by that is, is if you were to draw the bow and your hand is hanging onto the bow, you want to come with, I'm a right-handed shooter, so my right hand will go behind my jawbone. And the key point there with anchor point, that term, is I want to come back to the same point every time. And this assures more accuracy. Okay. Um, now, does that, when I went the first time and the person that was measuring me, I don't realize, or I did not realize, they were not necessarily measuring me based on my height and arm length. It ended up being, I felt that they were measuring based on their personal full length because and I'm 6'1". The person I was speaking with was, I believe, 5'9", uh, give or take, maybe 5'10". And so I felt when I, I didn't know what full draw was, and so when I pulled back, I just pulled back what he gave me. I was shooting fine. He was setting up a bow and everything, but I felt it was really easy, and come to find out when I started looking at other shops, I and he set me up for... I think it was 65 at 28 inches or 27, either 27 or 28 inches. And if I'm 29 and 70, and I would have never known that. Um, but he was also telling me that I should not, or I can't handle 70 pounds. The first person I went, I would have never known until someone says pull back 70 and I was able to do it without problem. But the guy was telling me I couldn't. Now, I don't know if maybe he couldn't. And just couldn't get me uh, positioned for that. Um, but I guess, how would you know? Like, when you're going in, what should you be asking the person when you're coming in, especially as uh, being a new person? If I was a new person and I walked into a shop and I'm looking to spend, uh, top of line bows are going to go somewhere like full setup. Let's just say $1,800 to start. I want to be in the middle of that road. I want the best gear I can get for. Let's just say $1,000. Okay. Let's get those deal points ready to go. Walk into the shop and we'll take my height, for instance. I am 5'9". I weigh 180 pounds. I'm fit. I am going to ask that guy, you know, how to draw a bow back. Because I, I need to know that. I don't know how to hold a bow. So that means when, when I say hold the bow, that's my left hand holding the riser, and we'll get into the riser and what that is on the bow later when you're ready. So let's just say he figures out my draw length, and he looks at me when I draw the bow. The one thing that you you want to know is why. When I draw the bow, I come to full draw. Is my left arm straight? Is it locked out, and am I rolled into the riser? Now, these are terms that we haven't discussed yet. But you want your left arm to be bent a little bit. That means elbow is down a little bit, not straight. So if you held your arm out in front of you right now in a straight line, your your shoulder wants to come up towards your chin. 
which you don't want that. You want the shoulder to sit down, and you want a little bend in your arm. Well, when you bend at the elbow, what that does is that kind of shortens that draw length a little bit. The longer the draw length, the faster the bow. Longer the draw length, the faster the bow. So a lot of guys that are my height, they're looking to get more speed. But accuracy super exceeds everything. So having a, your arm bent, as you were to, right now, you're, you're sitting there listening to this podcast, and you come to full draw, you're holding the, the string next to your cheek, your right cheek, your arm is going to bend a little bit at the elbow, which when you do that, it looks like it's going to the left about three inches. Now, what that does is it moves that arm, the forearm, away from the string. So when you release the bow, you don't have those strings or the string slapping you in the forearm. And it does a couple things there. When that arm is also bent, it moves clothing out of the way. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Am I explaining it correctly? <laughs> I think I'm, I'm picturing it because I when you're even when you even said about the uh, the clothing, I know when it gets cold and you're wearing thick jackets, I can see that at least it hits me. It'll pop me on my arm if I don't have my uh, ang- my um, wrist cocked just a little bit. Right. So when you when you go back when you go into that shop, you need to ask as many questions as you can. And if the salesman is is rubbing you the wrong way because you're asking these questions, here's where things get difficult. If he's at all arrogant, then go get a different one. The owner of a shop is generally going to be a little bit nicer than most of the workers at times. Sometimes if you get a new guy, he'll be much easier because he wants the sale and he hasn't been in the industry very long and he hasn't been selling very long, so he's going to be a little bit nicer. He's not going to be as impatient. So, you may look towards the younger guy in the shop. You might look towards the guy that hasn't been there that long, and he can still go ask questions, which is fine. Because if you get rid of the attitude, then you're going to have a better experience. And that goes for the, the consumer as well. Less attitude, more questions, usually works to your benefit when buying something. Makes sense. I mean, if you're spending the money, you want to make sure you're getting what you paid for and the experience right. as well. And here's the big thing I've found. And I sell about three times a week in retail. When you, a customer comes in and says, you know, I don't know what my draw length is. I, I need to know that. I'm like, well, let's, let's start with what, what are you hunting? Well, I'm, I'm just going to shoot some targets. Are you ever going to hunt? No, I'm not. I just want to shoot targets. Some friends of mine, they go and, and they shoot targets and it looks fun to me. Okay. So right away I can say, He's not hunting. There's no chance of him hunting. He just wants to shoot. So he can shoot like a 64 or a 63-pound or a 60-pound bow, which is a very smooth, easy draw on the bow. So now I have, I have focused my attention on a bow that needs to be very smooth on the draw cycle. That's when you start the draw and you start to pull the string back. That's called your draw cycle. And then by the time you hit your anchor point, you are at full draw. That means the bow cannot be drawn any farther. Would that, that also be the back wall too? Because I've heard that term as well. No, because the back wall is when you have finished drawing the bow and you're at full draw. Okay. And people like a solid back wall. 
and it sounds, it stands for exactly what it sounds. Back wall to, to me tells me I can't go any farther back. I'm against the back wall. My shoulders are against it. I'm standing against it. It's the same thing when you come to full draw with a compound bow today. Some of them have some cushion, meaning you can pull a little bit, like a quarter inch or an eighth of an inch, and it's soft in the back wall. A lot of people like a firm back wall because once they stop, they feel comfortable. Now, some bows that you draw will take this customer that is only using it for target shooting practice. He'll go and shoot some 3D outside, shoot some 3D animals, and, you know, he's, he's new to the sport of being an archer, not a hunter. So I would like him to have a bow that draws very smooth and that will definitely whittle down what manufacturer I'm going to pick for him. And I know he's going to be shooting lower poundage, and I know he's not going to be very rough on the bow, um, but he still might be strong on warranty. Maybe that individual says, I want the best warranty in the business. Maybe that's just the way he is as a person, as a buyer. He wants to know that his money is protected, and it should be. Oh, yeah. So that will tell me where he needs to be and what manufacturer he needs to be in. So... That back wall, when he hits it, is very solid. It doesn't move. There's no cushion. Are we clear on that? Yes. Okay. Because I'm not sure if I'm explaining everything that you, because you're listening right now. And I want to get into listening really quick because I'll have people come to me and want me to sell them something. But then when I tell them things, they don't listen. The, the, nod, the head nodders. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I have yeah, no idea. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually picturing yeah. what you've been talking about, though. Right. So... If you are that type of a consumer, then shame on you because you wanted the help, you asked for the help, but you didn't listen to what the individual is saying. And this is a very big issue because, one, they're excited because they're in, they want to buy, they have money in their pocket, or they're going to charge it on their card, and everything's okay. Do they have enough time? If they're in a hurry, that really shakes up the whole process. Don't be in a hurry. Make sure you have time. Call the shop and say, when are you slow? And go into the shop when it's slow, not when it's convenient for you. You wanted the best help. You wanted the best salesperson. So make the right choices first. Call that shop and say, when are you slow? So you've established they're slow at this time. You go in there and then you say, who is your most knowledgeable salesperson? Who is your easiest salesperson? And the guy will be looking at you or a woman and be like, gosh, you're asking a lot of different questions. But they already know who they need to put you with because they're already assessing what kind of consumer you are. If they put you with the tech guy, he might do too much tech talk, which when it comes to the listening standpoint of a consumer, you have to stop them in mid-sentence and say, well, what, what's this back wall? And he needs to explain that. And then you can say, okay, can we move on now? You're controlling the situation in a nice way. But if you don't slow them down, because you got to remember, he does this for a living. He already knows all those things. He doesn't even realize that he's throwing all these terms out there that you're unaware of. A good salesman will read that person and realize and understand 
that if you're a question a person with a lot of questions, you have his attention, but then he has to really in his mind subconsciously he'll be like, This person is asking a lot of good questions. I have to be right on my game. Because if you catch him in saying, Well, this bow right here, let's just use a pointing case. This bow right here, this is the PSC bow and uh, the draw force cycle is a little hard at first, but uh, go ahead and, and, you know, we'll set this at 63 pounds. You can go ahead and draw this back. And, and, and then you shoot that bow, and you're like, hmm, okay, and it doesn't feel anything to you. You can't even tell what you're drawing bow. And then let's just say you draw back a, um, a Hoyt, and it's at 63 pounds. And, you know, and he says, you know, let's go ahead and draw this bow back. It's a little hard in the middle of the draw force cycle. And um, just go ahead and draw this back. It's at 63 pounds. Both bows were set at 63 pounds. You're like, okay, you know, and, and, and so he draws that bow back. Then again, the consumer is new to this. He can't feel anything. He doesn't understand what's going on. And then you say, okay, well, draw this bow back. This is an elite. Um, just go ahead and draw this bow back. And, and you say, well, is it at 63 pounds? And he looks, and he's like, oh, my gosh, it's at, it's at 65. Oh, so he's going to turn that down to 63 because you, the consumer, are really looking at all three of these bows and which they need to be set at the same draw weight 63 pounds and you draw this and meet back and you say and he and he said to you excuse me okay this this should have a very smooth draw force cycle just go ahead and draw back so if you listen to what i just said i said the first bow has is a little bit hard at the start of the draw force cycle the second bow was a little bit harder in the middle of the draw force cycle so what that should tell you is if you were to to look at an egg and then you have a circle drawn on a piece of paper. If you were to draw the bow back and the cams, those, those aluminum pieces that the strings are attached to, your bus cables and your string, but we'll just call them strings for the sake of a newbie. The more radical the cam is, meaning the shape, if it has sharp, abrupt radius to it at any point, it will have a harder draw cycle. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does because my my bow doesn't have one at all, and so I I know that that I could have a really small or pullback, and I don't feel much tension. But I've pulled some back with what you're describing, and you feel like you have to almost tug just a little bit more to get it over a hump. Right, that's exactly it. So if you use those terminologies as we're going to pull this bow back and it's going to be a little bit hard to get it over the hump, that's pretty easy for someone to understand. Which in terms, layman terms, is the draw force cycle is a little bit hard at first. Some bows are hard at first. Now, where these these sharp radius lines come from, that's the design of the cam. In those places on the cam, whether it be at the beginning, the middle, or at the end, is where the bow picks up its energy, its power, its driving force, whatever you'd like to use as terminology, its speed. The more radical the shape of the cam, the more radical the draw force cycle can be. Does that have an effect when pulling back, or is it really when it's releasing that that energy is being applied? Good question. Both, right? Because if you draw it and it's difficult, when, it, when the bow is released and you're shooting it, you will have more vibration. Now, what people are looking for nowadays is something with a very smooth draw force cycle. And they also want to have the bow 
be or have a very smooth recoil. Okay. Which I guess is why they bring on different types of things like the limb savers or uh, things to help shot or cut down the shock once it's released. Yes. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, you can have, you know, string stopper uh, that basically as the bow gets released, the string, the main string that you would hook your release on or your fingers, which not very many people shoot fingers anymore, which is basically three leather tabs that cover your uh, three first fingers, your index, middle one. That's more for traditional longbow archers though, right? Um, Yeah, nowadays, yes. Yeah. Not a lot of compound shooters that use um, fingers anymore. Um, the string oscillates as it's as it's being um, shot. So once you pull through the shot with your release, and the arrow is driven out of the front of the bow, the string is oscillating quite a bit. And when it hits those those stops, some manufacturers have two stops, one high and one low, that hit that string, and most have one, one string stop. Then there's other devices that, that um, you know, like limb saver, as you commented on, that help vibration. And vibration is they're trying to control the recoil of the bow, the shot of the bow. When the bow goes off, it uh, obviously there's a ton of energy being dispersed. And you're trying to control that energy and dampen it as quickly as possible. That's why, like my bow, I have a, a Matthews, and they have these things uh, called a harmonic dampener. That would be basically what you're talking about, is to help cut the vibration. Yes. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yep. Now, something that I've been every time I watch uh, these videos that talk about all the news bow coming out uh, at the ATA shows, you hear people say, you know, the ATA measurements are, and they might be like three sixteenths of an inch. Like, what the what does ATA measurements mean? I mean, is it uh, there's something obviously deeper than just the ATA? That's got to be a symbol or a secondary word. The measurements that you're talking about are all the bows get tested at the same draw weight, same arrow length. Okay. Because what is that certain manufacturers would come out and say, our bows uh, shoot 70 pounds at 335 feet per second. And it might be, let's just say that model of the bow is the uh, the ATAX or something. I don't know. Let's, let's just throw a name out there. So the ATAX made by so-and-so shoots 235 feet per second and those uh, those are spec'd off of ATA or whatever. It, it, it's just a measuring device is the best way I could put it. Okay. It's just, just that. Now, certain manufacturers will say their bow shoots faster because they they want that. They're looking for that sales pitch. They're looking to build the fastest bow. And so they sometimes will fudge those numbers. I know the manufacturer, like I shoot for Elite. And when Elite bow comes out of the factory and it has 70 pound limbs on it, it usually shoots like 10 out of 10 times. It'll shoot at 71 or 72 pounds. So it's an honesty thing. If you, you know, were to, to say your bow shoots, which would be very fast, 370 feet per second, 
the recoil on that bow would be crazy. Keeping the bow in time would be even more difficult. And, and timing is, has to do with the cams. And, and it has to be staying in tune. So the more radical those cams are and the faster those bows are, and then the brace height of the bow, when, you, when people hear brace height, they're like, what does that mean? The higher number of the brace height, generally, the easier the bow shoots. So if it's a seven and a quarter, seven and three eighths, seven and a half, that's what I would look for if I was a new. I want that brace height. When you're seven saying and seven and a quarter and seven and three eighths, like what is it that you're talking about? Because that's, that that's a measurement, but what, what is the measurement for? The measurement tells the archer how smooth that bow is in layman's terms. I'm not going to get too crazy into this because right. one will we'll burn up too much time, but it's a <laughs> measurement from the string to the, the grip on the riser. And the riser is, we might as well get this out of the way now, the riser is that big piece of aluminum that holds the limbs. The limbs are those radius pieces of fiberglass that hold the cam, and they are bolted. The limbs are bolted with a limb pocket. Obviously, the pocket holds the limb and bolts down to the riser, and the riser is what you hold on to. So the, the easiest way is to say, if I was a newbie, I've read about brace heights. I would like a bow that has a high brace height. That means it's going to be smooth, generally speaking. And I want a nice back wall. And I don't want any real harsh point in my draw force cycle or the cycle of the draw. However you want to put it, you want it to be smooth when you pull the bow back. If you said that to a guy, I think you would be telling the salesman exactly where he needs to go to help you quickly. Isn't there another element, though, also? Because you don't want to be pulling back 70 pounds and holding. I mean, there's that, that term like the let off. And that's a big part as well when it comes to at full draw, what you want to have as well, correct? Yes. So let off, I have shot bows that have a 65% let off. 72% let off and 80% let off. The higher the number, my opinion, the better. Aren't the you losing that, our power though? The energy, isn't that once the let off is there, doesn't it lose the energy because now you're not, it's holding off the weight? Well, let's, let, let me, let me dive into this a little okay. bit first. Okay. So when it comes to aiming a bow, that means we're going to, we're going to take this a little bit deep for a second. We have drawn our bow. We're looking through the sight. The bow is already sighted in and everything. There's a part where you're aiming, and that aiming time can be five seconds, seven seconds, maybe nine seconds long. That means from the time you come to full draw, you're anchored in, you're looking through the sight, you're breathing, and the pin on the sight is floating on the target. When it comes to aiming, I have found the higher the let off, the easier it is to aim. So whether this person is shooting paper targets or three-dimensional animals foam, or he's shooting animals in the woods, aiming is our biggest, that's our biggest issue, right? That's what we're all trying to achieve, no matter who or what you are as far as being an archer or a hunter. You still want to be able to aim. 
And the better you can aim, the more successful you are at executing a good shot. With those that have a lesser let off in the 70s, that means you're holding weight. When you're at full draw, you may be holding, I'm just going to throw some numbers out there, 20 pounds. But if I said you were shooting this this particular manufacturer, you'd be holding 10 pounds. What do you want to be holding at full draw? 10. That's right. I mean, this is just real, this is real simple. So if you walk into that shop and you say, I want a bow that has a smooth draw for cycle, it has a nice back wall to it, and I want the highest let off I can get, and I want the largest brace height. Now, all of a sudden, the salesman can point you in the exact direction you want to go, <laughs> and you will be happy with those items. We'll go through them one more time. So we want a very smooth draw for cycle, so the bow is easy to draw. We're at 63 pounds. This this person is still shooting paper. Remember the guy that we talked about at the beginning of the show? Yep. Smooth draw for cycle. And write that down, number one. Number two, large brace height, seven and a quarter, seven and a half. Let off, number three, a high let off allows you to aim. We're all trying to aim better. We all want to make a great shot. Those things are going to help you buy a very good bow that is going to be easy to shoot, easy to aim, which means easy shoot, easy aim means more fun. And that's what we're doing this for, the newbie is. Right. Those things will help someone buy a bow. So those would be, I guess, the three main essentials. If you can understand those and let the person you're speaking with know, you have a better chance of getting a bow that's fitted you perfectly or as best as possible. Oh, I, th I think hands down if you went in and, and had those things written down on a piece of paper. Um, and I say that written down on a piece of paper because – as a salesman, when someone comes in and they've got a list of things, I already know they've done a certain amount of homework. If they have no attitude, I'm even happier to fit them. I want to work with someone that has the interest, that wants to know, and wants to learn. And, and the sooner the salesperson can depict that, the better they can help you. And then it's just a listening process. Listening to that person tell you, what you're buying and why you're buying it. You're going to make a better decision based on what we just talked about. What would you consider uh, an average time spent when a new person comes in? And if someone might be already uh, somewhat experienced in an archer shop, how much time do you think, you know, if it took an hour or two hours, is that adequate? Is that okay, acceptable for, I guess, the technician or the person that's helping them? Or should they be in there like, okay, I want to get this information, but try to get out within 30 minutes to an hour? I know rushing is not always good, but is it okay if you keep going and ask more questions if it prolongs past an hour? That's a very good question. I would think an hour. An hour. So here's what, I, here's what I want. We have our piece of paper in our hand. We have our question. Can, you, can I shoot three different bows if you carry those bows, if you have that bow in my draw length? Let's just say it's a 28-inch draw length because we were using my body type at 5'9". 180 pounds and fit. I want to shoot three different bows. Now, here's something that we're going to go, we need to talk about this a little bit. Okay. So we are on the line. Our salesman has told us to shoot these three bows that we asked for. All three bows are hanging on the rack behind you or right next to you. You have, <clears throat> excuse me, relatively 
three or four or five different arrows. Now, the practice target is pulled three feet away from you. So you're going to shoot a target that's three feet in front of you. Yes, you are. It's safe, number one. But what we're going to try to achieve here is you're going to draw the bow and you're going to shoot with your eyes open maybe 10 or 12 times on on uh, the total of the three bows. And what's going to happen is you're going to start to narrow down one of them. And you hang on to the bow with, let's just take, for instance, you're a right-handed shooter. You're going to hang on to the bow, but you don't hang on to the bow super tight with your hand. It's not going to fall out, but you're also not putting a death grip on it, meaning your left hand that's holding the riser is not squeezing the riser. The best way I can put this, if you are a male, is when you go to the bathroom, you don't squeeze, you just hold on. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're a female, you're not going to know this, but that is the best way. You just hold the bow and go to the bathroom. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but when I teach people how to shoot, that's what I tell them. And and it makes them laugh, which you want to make them laugh. You want them to get to relax. You don't want them to be just intimidated and and having this intense process. They just need to relax and breathe and pay attention to what they're doing. And and back to shooting this bow, these three bows on the line, and you're, you're shooting at this target that's three feet away. After you've shot those bows a little bit, I want you to close your eyes when you come to full draw. So you're going to put the bow in your hand. You're going to draw the bow. The arrow is on the rest that supports the arrow. You have your release on. And you're just about ready to pull the trigger, and you close your eyes, and you start to squeeze on the trigger. And you keep your eyes closed, and you squeeze equal pressure. You don't pull the trigger. You don't hammer the trigger with that index finger. You squeeze the trigger, and that's all I want you to do. So we're at full draw right now. Your eyes are closed. You know the arrow is in a safe direction. You know it's safe because your target is three feet in front of you, and you're at the right height, and you're you're. Your salesman is behind you, and you're going to start pulling on that trigger, and you pull, 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 and then it goes boom, and it breaks, and it surprises you. That's called a surprise break. It is the best way to shoot a bow, and that's what you're trying to achieve as you get better as an archer. And what you're concentrating on as that bow goes off is you're trying to feel what's going on in your left hand because that tells you how jumpy the bow feels. Because remember, we're looking for a smooth shooting bow. That's what you're looking for when you're on the line testing three different bows. That's really good. As you're talking about it, I was closing my eyes. I don't have my bow set up right now, but I was picturing. I had my arms in the same position I was supposed to be. If I was going to release, I was picturing like I'm doing it currently. And mm-hmm. I can see what you're talking about. And that that's good advice because you're originally, from the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about the draw going back and now you're also talking about the release and when the the energy is being withdrawn and taking the arrow out so it's not just one uh, dimensional you have both directions being pulled back and releasing yes and, and that's critical to pay attention to that a lot of what we do as humans when we buy in, in any store it doesn't matter we base so much off of the visual of what we're buying and that is something that gets in the way from buying what you could be buying something that it looks good, but it's not good. It wouldn't be good for this new archer that we're talking about. I know if I was going to fit someone in a bow that we're talking about, 
I already know the model. I know where I would put them, and I would go through what I've gone through with you guys today in trying to get them to understand why. Why are you? Why am I telling you to buy this bow? Because I know you told me everything. You gave me all the all the stipulations or or all the information that you are looking for to purchase this particular bow, and I need to be listening to you. I'm your salesman. I need to tell you that this is what you've asked for, and you go through that stuff, and you have to listen to that person. Catch them making a mistake, and you probably will. If you listen, you'll catch them. Now, is it your job to point that out and say, now, wait a minute, Bob, here's your salesman. You just said that this has a little harsh draw force cycle in the beginning. I, I don't want that. And he's like, well, I I want you to just try it. It might be the only models that he has. And Bob's trying to sell Sam on a bow that he has at his shop. Now, this is where you need to do, you could do some research online and or what Sam is going to come into this shop and talk to Bob about. And if Bob cannot give Sam, and and we're just going to throw this out there, the 80% let off in a a 7.25 to 7.5 inch brace height and a smooth draw for a cycle, then Bob doesn't carry the bow for Sam. So don't buy from Bob. That's really good advice. So that's where it gets a little bit tricky. So stick to your guns, Sam. Talk to him about those three items. I, I feel you could make the right decision going into a bow shop with that information. Well, you know what's really good about this episode? We've kind of tapped on a couple of different uh, areas, not just for the new archer wanting to know, but also what he should know going in, but as, he, as well as the listener that maybe owns a bow shop or uh, works at a bow shop, this is really good for them to know what to ask that maybe they, they should know already, but if not, they probably have, could have forgotten because as you know, people that do this all the time, they tend to forget the things that are very uh, everyday elements, and this is a great, a great uh, advice. Well, I thank you. I, I've been friends with you for years, and, and I've always enjoyed the conversations with you, and I, I'm honored to be on your show and, ha- and, have, and have fun and talk about this stuff. I think for a person that works in a shop, they are usually younger because they don't get paid very much. There's usually one person in a shop that makes, makes the most money. That's usually the owner um, or the manager. And so that doesn't mean that the guys down below him don't know their stuff. I would never sell someone short. But salesmen in bow shops, they're usually not instructed on how to sell, to sell a bow to Sam. The, the big thing I would say that I try to do is, let's just take you, for example. You walk in. I know you're a type A person. I'm going to look at how you're dressed. I'm going to look at this piece of paper, and I'm, the first thing out of my mind is, oh, it's got a piece of paper. Okay. Okay. So I listen to this piece of paper. It's telling me the information. I'm like, okay, all right, I got to find this ball for this guy. His name's Travis. He's six foot two, six foot one. He's going to be somewhere around a 29 inch draw length. The low end would be a 28 inch draw length, depending on his arm length. He's looking about just right around in there. So he's going to get good speed because he's close to a 30 inch draw length. So he'll be shooting over the 300 feet per second. No problem with a 400 grain arrow. Travis. What kind of species do you hunt? You're a hunter, right? Yeah, of course. What do you hunt? Uh, I like to go for deer, currently. What kind of deer? Uh, right now, it's deer. just uh, well, whitetail. I'm in Georgia, so it's uh, whitetail. That's about it at the moment. Do you ever go out west? I haven't yet, but I've been thinking about it. What are you going to hunt when you go out west? I've had the idea of maybe doing an elk hunt, uh, possibly a caribou one day, and uh, oh, I would love to do a bear hunt. Mm, okay. So right there, 
that tells me you're a fit guy. I see that. I want Travis to shoot. Uh, have you shot before? Um, yeah, previous. I mean, a couple times. So you've had a couple bows. No, I, I, I shot some friends uh, so that they just let me shoot around a few times. Okay. So are you going to do this bear hunt soon or in this elk hunt soon? I mean, in the next five years? Or, or is this something that's further out? I, yeah, I'm based on what I want. Uh, my goal is to do within probably two to three years from now, I'd love to go out and do a bear hunt. Two or three years. So we're talking about the bow that you're, you're trying to purchase today is going to be the bow that's going to go on this elk hunt possibly and this bear hunt. I would love that. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend that we we have a bow that goes to 70 pounds. That's the max that the bow can be set on. That's when the the limb pockets that you're looking at right here, and you see the bolt on the top of the limb. We can tighten that all the way down into the riser, and it'll be set at around 71 pounds. But for now, I can lower the poundage down on this bow to 65. Okay, and then. As you get stronger and you get muscle memory, we will move and tighten these limbs down to 70 pounds, especially about two months that you have promised me that you're going to shoot this bow a lot before you go on that bear hunt. They have the elk hunt the next year. We're going to get this bow in you, your muscle memory, and the correct arrow, built weight, etc., for that bear hunt. So I'm going to put you in a bow that goes to 70 pounds, but we're going to set it at 65 pounds. I'm going to give you a smooth draw for a cycle because that's what you're looking for as a beginner. This bow has a nice wall on it, the back wall when it's at full draw, and the brace height is, is seven and a quarter, and it has 80% let off. So that means at 80% let off, when you're at full draw and that bear is sitting in front of you or that elk and he's looking directly at you, that you are holding less pounds. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess it just it so helped me so, shoot longer. Um, well, like hold longer, not shoot longer, but hold longer. If that happens to you in there and you're in that situation and you draw a little bit early because you're a new archer, a new hunter, and you're not sure of when to draw on that animal, this will allow you to be able to draw a little bit early on that animal and hold the bow longer, but still be able to aim the bow and have good accuracy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So that's what I would put you in as a bow that is going to be able to handle uh, the future of your hunting. So questions like that are what a salesman should be asked. You know, you might say, hey, I, I've been, uh, if you got into long distance shooting and said, hey, man, I'm going to be shooting, I'm going out west. Say, okay. You know, when are you going? You say, I'm going to go next year. I booked a hunt. What are you going for? I'm going for antelope. I know that you're going to need to have a fast bow, which could mean we go with a little bit lighter arrow, a bullet, or as I call it, a round, is a little bit lighter than, like 400 grains is a really good weight to have for a lot of animals that I hunt, antelope, whitetail, mule deer, and elk. It's just It just seems to be the weight that has been working very well for me. It's a, four, a little bit over 400 grains. That's the total weight of the arrow for a newbie. That means the knock, that's the thing that goes on the string, the shaft, the insert that supports the field point or broadhead. That total weight of that arrow is over 400 grains. Not 450, that's too heavy. Not 430, that's too heavy. We're taking it as Sam is 5'9", 180 pounds and fit, or you, 
six two or six one, uh, hundred hundred ninety pounds, and is a new shooter, but you're going out west. I want you to be able to have an arrow that's a touch over four hundred, four hundred eight, four hundred ten. It has good kinetic energy. That is, let's just put it to you this way: it's like a, a good, good punch power. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's what I would ask you if you are coming in, because I can show you how to shoot. I can show you how uh, and why you need this particular site. And, you know, you need to spend less money here, but spend a little more money over here. Because you're traveling, I would want you to have a bow with great warranty. Because you just told me you might be going up to Canada to hunt black bear. Or if you have a large pocketbook, you might be going to hunt that bear over on Kodiak Island. That's that's a $30,000 bear hunt. Mm-hmm. Or if you're going to Canada... You're still into it for 5000 to kill a couple black bears or one black bear. So anyway, um, did I answer that correctly? Yeah, you did. I mean, I think <laughs> uh, I think for the very first uh, series of this, uh, we we nailed it pretty well. Okay. You know, knowing that we've gotten the, we're, we're a new archer, we found the bow we want, and we found the right person to sell us the bow because we asked the right questions. I guess now it just gets to going into getting out and going hunting or getting out and start shooting more and more. Yeah, you're shooting You're shooting what I would say to a beginner is obviously they, they need to create muscle memory. And muscle memory means when you go to shoot at your local range because you buy that setup there. Let's back up a little bit. So you buy a whole entire setup, a bow, arrows, rest, sight, stabilizer, quiver, arrows, arrow tips, uh, everything. Do you get to shoot there for free? Do you shoot there for 10% off? What's the deal you get? So make sure you ask that question at that shop. It's a good idea. It's a very good idea. And I, and I prefer the, the smaller pro shops more than going to a big box. If you're trying to save money and you're buying something um, that's a huge, it's a big package deal, if that is your last resort, that's the only way that you can get into the sport, then I'm fine with that. But if you're looking to make shooting or being an archer or being a hunter a way of life, then I would support a small shop. Yeah. Go to the mom and pops or just because it's better. I mean, you're, you're supporting the local. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Anthony, this was a really, really good episode, and I hope we're going to have many, many more after this. Um, but I really enjoyed your time coming on and sharing your knowledge because you, you're very vast and when it comes to archery, and not just from long shooting, but to even the technical aspects of it, which is fascinating. And uh, I hope you'd be more than happy to come back on and share more tactics and more tips as uh, we progress through this. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm happy to do it, and uh, I appreciate you having me on. Like I said, I, I enjoy it. It's fun, and uh, I think you've got a good show, and that's that's why I'm here, you know. There's, there's uh, other podcast episodes out there, but uh, I like yours. Thanks again for having me. Yeah. If someone's wanting to follow you, where can they find more information? Like, what's your Facebook account, or how do they, how do they reach you? Well, my Facebook is just Anthony Dixon, and I don't do a lot of... Um, family stuff on there and I kind of I don't post all the time um I I would say saying less is more <laughs> <laughs> and um I started a new uh YouTube channel and um I've got kind of an interesting thing going there for the next 12 months I've got a pretty uh regimented program there where I'm going through every species or every animal that I've killed 
and going through those racks and telling those behind the stories. And, and uh, I have another company called Full Moon Productions that I made some movies uh, a while ago, and I sell DVDs on that. And uh, Which, by the way, I've watched. Those are awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm trying to just give back people so they... If they really listen, maybe they pick up something that has happened to me that they don't make that same mistake. You know, I did 20, 25 videos. I shot it in 13 and a half hours a few weeks ago. And I'll just post those up about uh, every week and a half. I don't want to go crazy with it. But, uh, you know, on the movies, I'm going to have Dan Brock. He was my editor for years, still is. And uh, have Dan on and explain some of the videos that we made because... Uh, they are very different. They're still very different today, which uh, I'm fortunate for. But that's, that's how to find me. Well, I'm going to list each one of those on our show notes so everybody can easily click and find those locations. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, Anthony, I really do appreciate you coming on, and it was a blast, and uh, I can't wait to uh, have you on again. That sounds good, Travis. Have a good day. You too, man. Well, I think that was a pretty good episode with Anthony Dixon. I mean, he really knows his stuff. He knows his craft, and he's willing to share. I mean, if you were able to take some notes, hopefully you've learned something well with this episode. Uh, in fact, this is going to be one of the first of many of our educational series of the Bow Rush podcast. Hopefully you'll come back and listen again as we progress through this. Next week, we should have Scott Nelson back on the line, but... I would really appreciate, if you have a moment, if you could go to our Facebook page and give us a like. Right now, we're about 140 likes. We're just starting out, so we know we need the growth. And having you like our page is really going to help us out. And if you can share this episode on your personal wall, that would be even better. And to reach us on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash mybowrush. On top of that, we have these episodes on iTunes, and we could really use the positive reviews and some five stars if you feel that we've given you something worth of value. If you could, go to mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes, and it'll take you right to our page. Don't forget that you can also check out our show notes at mybowrush.com forward slash 014. That'll take you right to the page for this episode. Don't forget to listen in on our next episode. And as always, I'm Travis Stowe, and as Scott would say, go get a bow rush. Later, guys. Later.